Lord. We have started a series on the book of James, and as James is concerned with practical Christianity, the main theme of this book is about how to become the doers of the word of truth that leads us to the life of salvation in Christ. And starting in verse 19, James instructs us on how to deal with the word of the truth, which is the gift from God, the Father of light. And we studied verses 19 through 21, focusing on how to receive the word of truth with the right mental and moral attitudes. Last week, we looked into verses 22 through 25 and learned how to respond to the word that we have received. So we have to trust and obey God's word, very simple, and that's the only way to experience the power of God. Without simple obedience to the word, there is no power in Christian life. Now, so we, we studied how to receive the word and how to respond to the word, and today we will learn how to live out the word as we look into today's passage. Let me ask you these questions. Why do we read the Word of God? What happens to us when we respond to the Word of God? Why did God give us His Word to us? These are the questions we need to actually ask. The reason that we actually read and see God's Word is because the Word helps us to be the person or people that God wants us to be. God uses His Word to shape us into the image of Christ. That's why we see God's Word as Christians. And as a matter of fact, that's what Christianity is all about, having a relationship with Christ as we seek His Word. And through His Word, in His Spirit, we'll be able to become more like Christ. That's why if you read today's passage, James calls, the the, calls it the religion that God accepts. I know we don't like to, we don't like to, uh, we don't want to consider Christianity as a mere religion. Rather, it is about having a relationship with God, yes. But we need to actually understand why James is using this word religion. We need to consider the recipients of this letter. If you recall, a few weeks ago, when I was doing the introductory for the book of James, I already told you that the audience, that James was writing this letter to the Jews, the Jewish community, the believer of Jesus Christ, the Messianic Jewish communities, in the dispersion around the world, who thought they were very religious. While many Jews were scattered around the world, they still practiced religious activities such as circumcision and kosher food. Even till this day, if you know some of the Jewish friends, they do practice such things. So outwardly, many were, uh, many of the believers in Jewish community were religious. To that community, the very religious community, James says there is nothing like true religion. I know a lot of Christians today who say, I'm not, a I'm not a religious, I'm a Christian, and, 
and I, I want I have a relationship with God. Don't tell me I'm religious. I know what they that they're trying to say. Also, I know so many Christians who say, I'm a Christian because I go to church and I do all kinds of religious activities. But this is a true religion, pure religion according to James. It's not just being religious and doing things in the church. It is not having mere form of godliness that denies its power. Paul said that. It's something more than that. And James here starts to expound on three marks of the true religion that God wants from us, from God's people. So as we learn to live out the word that we have received and respond to, my prayer is that we will check our Christian life according to these three marks of true religion that James is teaching us so that we can repent and we can redirect and we can recommit to what God wants us to be as God's people. Amen? So let me give you three marks, and I want us to pay attention very carefully. The first mark of true religion, James says, is someone who can control their tongue. Verse 26, it says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. In fact, later in the epistle, James is actually going to say, if anyone never says the wrong thing in their mouth, they are actually perfect. The point is this, a true religious person, true Christian, has total control over themselves. And that's why they can actually control their tongue, which is the hardest part of ourselves to control in our lives. Isn't it true? Very hard to control our own tongue, even as Christians. So th th therefore, the very first essence of the true religion <clears throat> is to be in self-control. Everyone says self-control? Very important. And it is interesting to see that the final fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians chapter 5 is actually self-control. He says this is, a self this is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and he says love, peace, joy, and all that is there. And the ninth one, the last one, he actually says self-control. And that is a mark of a true religious person that God desires. Did you know that Jesus said these words in Matthew? I'll tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. I will, let me read it again. Jesus said, I will tell you that everyone, including all the Christians, including all of us, me, you, everyone in this whole world, in the history, will give an account, give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. And Jesus also said this, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these words 
defile them. Interesting, isn't it? Whatever is in our hearts comes out of our mouth through words. And these sinful words defile person, defiles a person. Our words defile us and defile others while the word of Christ sanctifies us. Isn't it interesting that Jesus said in John chapter 15 through 17, you will actually see, as you are hearing my words, you are being sanctified. You are being cleansed. The opposite effect. Our words defile ourselves, defile everyone, but his words sanctify us. That's the difference, my brothers and sisters. And James says, if we do not control our tongue, our mouth, the words that we say, you think you are religious? Well, you are illusional. You are deceiving yourselves. You know, so many Christians, we do have a problem with the tongue. Not just Christians, everyone does. But especially as Christians, we still do. Listen to what you say. What, what are the words coming out of your mouth? All the negative words comes out of our mouth. The same mouth that we praise the Lord, we curse others. That's what James says. As a matter of fact, we're going to be studying that. The, the effect of the tongue. The issue of tongue that James talks about following in later chapters. And we will study that together. And we will go deeper. But let's think about this. How can we control our tongue? Because if you want to be truly Christian, truly religious person, Christian in Christ, how can we control our tongue? Well, there's only, there's only way. Fill your heart, fill our hearts with the Word of God. As whatever in your heart comes out of your mouth, and we fill our hearts with his word. And his word will sanctify us. And sanctified words will come out from our heart through the mouth. Do you see why we want to seek the word of God every single day? We need the word of God. We are, we are totally lost without it. We can never be do truly religious in Christ, according to James' words unless we understand how to control our tongue. Oh, so many people are being... We sin through words all the time and we destroy things through our tongues. So many relationships in the family, in the church, words destroys. As a matter of fact, the words can destroy someone's reputation, especially nowadays. Through all kinds of social media, he became the outlet of venting whatever in your mind, all the garbage coming out of people's mouth. We are living in such a world. And as true people of God, if you are following the true religion, the, the James says, then make sure you control your tongue. And only way we can do is through the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot do it on our own. That's why we need the Spirit of God 
Holy Spirit who dwells within us. As we see God's word every single day in your mind, in your heart, Holy Spirit who dwells within you, help you to sanctify even your words as he cleanses and transforms our hearts. And from the transformed hearts, the right words comes out. The words that helps other people, encourages those who are depressed and share the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And how much more we need to seek God's word, fill our mind, fill our hearts with his word so that the Holy Spirit can work within our hearts so that the right words can come as we control our tongue. And that's the true, well, the first true mark of a true religious people, Christians. Amen. The second mark of true religion, according to James, is to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Orphans and widows, particularly, yes. Their distress is that they have lost a husband or father. They were even more so in the ancient world where there was a little hopeful widows or orphans. Why? Imagine there is no one to protect or provide for the family. If there is a man missing in the family who are supposed to, the role of the husband and the father is to protect and provide, imagine what's going to happen to a family. And especially nowadays we're living in a very much uh, advanced and civilized world that we do try to protect as much as we can as a society. But back in, in the ancient time, it was almost impossible for them to live in a safe environment without a father, without a husband. And God said, James says, the true, true religions, true Christians are to Look after orphans and widows in their distress. Did you know, my brothers and sisters, from the Old Testament, God has a special place for widows and orphans. Psalm 69 verse 5 tells us, he says, The father of the fatherless, God is a father of the fatherless and protector of widows, is God in his holy habitation. His aim is to show orphans and widows mercy, care, and protection. And because these orphans are essential to him, I think it should be essential to us as, a, as his church. That's why we cannot let our government just take care, care of the orphans and widows around us. We are to really pray for them and take care of them. The Bible says it is a church's responsibility to take care of those who are in distress. The words of the Bible call God's people to actively pursue the meeting the need of the children who have been orphaned in the New Old Testament and the New Testament. And how do we start? There's a, we, we, a great place to start is to, through your prayer. That's why we do, as a church, we do have a partnership with uh, Dr. P.P. Job in India, the orphanage for the, uh, the daughters of the Christian martyrs. We are to, time to time, pray for them and to provide them whatever they need. We are to do so. 
because that's what's the mark of the true religion is all about. Not just with the prayer, we are to care for the widows and orphans in their practical needs. We cannot just pray for them and say, oh, feel good, be blessed. No, whatever we can. Out of, by faith. Listen to the following verses in Deuteronomy where God is instructing God's people to tithe. Listen to this. Deuteronomy 14, 29 says this. The Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, not only Levites, and also sojourners, immigrants, and the fatherless, orphans, and the widow, who are within your towns, shall come and eat and be filled, that the Lord your God may bless you in the, all the work of your hands that you do. Even in the Old Testament, God has said this. Tithing is used for ministers, those who are working, the Levites, those who are working in the temple, and those who are doing all kinds of uh, uh, the, you know, the, the religious activities. That's for them. Also for sojourners, meaning foreigners, and also for the orphans and widows. Interesting, isn't it? God is God of fatherless, orphans and widows, and even sojourners. The principle behind that is this, the principle of compassion for those who cannot look after themselves. And this is a mark of true religion. Now, let's think about how we are as a church. Yeah, our government does take care of some social work. But as a church, we need to be mindful of that through prayer and through practical uh, the giving that we should be generous. And I will challenge all of us. Let us not be stingy toward one another. Selfishness, as much as we can feel our needs, yeah, may not feel our desires, but out of compassion, we are to really be available to help those who are in need, in distress. That's the mark of the true religion, according to James. Not my words. But one thing that I would like to probably give you, the biblical suggestion, in recommendation, in terms of helping others out of compassion is this. We don't give or help out of compulsion. We don't do that, but out of conviction. Let me say it again. We help others out of conviction, not out of compulsion. Compulsion. With compassionate heart, we'll help those who are in need, who are in distress. The widows and orphans, particularly. And that's what Bible teaches us. We should be mindful of that. Amen. So as our hearts are filled with the Holy Spirit, as our mind is being transformed, as we are in the self, we can control ourselves by the power of the Holy Spirit, now we can clearly hear the voice of God and conviction from Him to help those who are in need. You know, some people say, Pastor, what do we do when we see someone who is in need? Don't, we, we can't help all the time. Again, not out of compulsion, just because you feel like it. Out of conviction. When God convicts you. That means if you are tuned with Christ, 
really in tight relationship with Him, you will be able to know when to give, when to not to give. Amen. Because it's very important. We don't just give out to whoever. No. When God convicts your heart, then you give. But we need to be ready to obey His conviction. But unless you have the tight relationship with Christ, unless you have this right relationship with Christ, you won't be able to know the difference. Oh, I have been seeing those who are so stingy, don't even want to help others. At the same time, I see those people who without any control, out of compulsion, just give away. We have to be very careful. Now, let me move on to the third mark of true religion. Third mark of the true religion is to keep yourself uncontaminated by the world of sin. Look at verse 27, to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. We have to face the fact that this world is sinful and fallen. And as you navigate through it, you will be contaminated and polluted even without knowing it. No one is exempt from this place. We are living in the world, my brothers and sisters, and the world is full of sin, full of pollution. It's fallen. And even as God's people, we will be contaminated. We will be affected by it. That's what, that's the reality. Oh, so many Christians are so easily influenced by the world. Nowadays, we want to compromise the Word of God. We go to the point where now in order for us to <laughs> be relevant to the world and culture, we are now starting to change what the Bible says. Or we start to interpret the Word of God in a way that we want to and becomes a huge issue for many, many Christians today. And I'll tell you, the, 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 the James is warning us. The, the then question is, how can we stay unpolluted? How can we stay pure, clear in our mind? And I'll tell you, only way is to conform to God. Conform to God. In the Old Testament, God says, be holy because I am holy. Be different. Don't follow the worldly system and pattern. Be different from this world because you're my God, my people. And that was the commandment. He has chosen us to be his people in Christ, my brothers and sisters. And that involves being like God. And God is not contaminated by this world at all, right? He's holy. And he is expecting his children in Christ, all of us, to be like him. In the New Testament, we are in the better standing. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, transforming and conforming us into the image of Christ. The working of the Holy Spirit is actually within us if you truly believe by faith. And all we have to do is to faithfully and willfully submit to the Holy Spirit through obedience. That's the way that we cannot be polluted. We cannot protect ourselves by ourselves. We need Christ. We need the Holy Spirit to help us to keep ourselves being polluted or contaminated by this world. That's why we come to church. 
That's why we see God's word. That's why we pray and we fight the temptation and we help each other. We wake up each other. We, we keep each other accountable. Hey, let's remember we are God's people. We are supposed to be holy. We are to seek holiness, not the worldliness. We are to seek God and his desire, not our own desire. Let's wake up. Whoever is, is falling from that path as in, within the church, we are to help each other to keep ourselves steadfast toward Christ. That's why, why, that's why Jesus said you need the church, the assembly, ecclesia, the gathering of God's people. And James says, the true religion requires those who are unpolluted, uncontaminated by the world. However, the problem of today's convenient Christianity, I think, is this. We care less about sin pollution in our lives. We don't think seriously about sins around us. Really, we take sinful pollutions very lightly from the world. Look at the entertainments that, that, that we enjoy. Oh, that's, the, the, that's the, the pathway for us to be polluted. We think it's okay to go along with some of the things of this world. It could be political ideologies to your own entertainment, every aspect of your life. Oh, God is okay with this, I'm sure. He will understand. It's okay for me to just, oh, he will let me go this time. He will forgive me, right? I'm already saved. God has saved me. I have the fire insurance. I'm not going down there. So I'm okay. And we play with the fire of temptation, don't we? We take things lightly. We don't think about what we are looking at, what we are in it, what we are enjoying. The problem, you know what that is? Simply, this is the word of John. We love the world too much and what's in it. We don't like the things of God. We like the things of the world too much. And we don't want to let it go. That's the problem. And we give ourselves an excuse. Oh, some people actually use this John 3, 16. God loved the world so much that he gave his only one and son. You know what? We should also love the world. Did you ever hear that excuse? From John 3, 16, we know that God loved the world. Yes, God loved the world. But the same writer, the author, John, he writes in 1 John, do not love the world. Is it contradiction? No, it's not. God loved the world. We don't love the world. That's the point. God is the only one who is too holy, uncontaminated, who, can, who is safe to love the world. For us, we are not to love the world. He, John says, anything in the world, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father, love of the Father is not in him. Interesting, isn't it? The reason that he was not, 
reason that God can love the world is because he is holy. He is not contaminated by this world. In a sense, it was safe for God to love the world, but it is not safe for us to love the world. And that's exactly what John is teaching us. We are not to love the world, my brothers and sisters. If you really want the world, maybe time for you to just leave. Follow its ways. But if you really want to love God and right path, the righteous path of righteousness and holiness, then Christ is calling you. Now, this is not saying that we should not love the people in, in it. We should detest those who are not Christians. No, of course not. What we are talking about is the world as its system, its pattern. It's not God's world. It's a fallen world. It's a sinful world. And we should not love the system or pattern of this world. Amen? Know that difference. We love people, yes. We are to share the gospel so that they will learn to love God. But not the, we don't follow the system of the world, the way that things are, the way that things are being done. We have to be very careful. Remember, we are still in the process of being saved from the system of the world. We are still being saved right now. Positionally, yes, we are saved by God's grace. If you truly believe in Jesus Christ and, 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 and confess your faith in Christ. But our salvation is not complete yet. We are still in the world until we see Jesus face to face. We are still being saved, saved from, our, from sin, from this world. So we are still in the process, all of us, we call it sanctification. We are changing to be more like Christ. We are being saved right now. My brothers and sisters, Paul says we are to pursue righteousness and holiness and we are to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. We are to pursue holiness. You know the mark of the true Christian is the pursuit of holiness in your life. If you truly believe that Jesus is your Savior and then you believed him and that you received Holy Spirit in you, how do I know? That person's life is completely changed. You know the difference. You can never be the same. If you don't see the difference between your BC or before Christ days and after, you need to check your faith. They're gotta be different. My experience, totally different. I was not completely changed, of course not. I, was, I still struggle with the same the things that I struggled with before, but one thing though, I do feel different when you truly believe in Jesus Christ. Something is different. Hard to explain unless you experience it. If you don't have that right now, oh, I don't see the difference. I don't, at least I don't understand the difference yet. Well, seek God. Find out. Check your faith. When you believe in Jesus Christ, you can never be the same. 
And I know those who believe in Jesus truly and receive the Holy Spirit know exactly what I'm talking about. And I'll tell you, how do I know? No one will know completely, of course not, because we're not God. But one thing though, do you have the desire to seek holiness in your life? That is a true mark of true religion, according to James. Yes, we still struggle with sins in this world. We struggle with the temptation. Yes, it's inevitable. All of us, we struggle with that. But do you still have the desire to fight that? Do you have a desire to pursue the holiness? Even though part of you kind of want this, but you know it's not right and you want holiness. You, do you have the desire? Then you know you have faith in Christ. That's the mark of true believer. And what we are missing today in today's convenient Christianity is this, that we don't have the pursuit of holiness in the churches today. And James is warning us, that's not the way that you live out your word of God that you have received. You do not know what you're talking about. That's just a religion. But the true, pure religion is this. Pursue holiness. You will have the desire to do so. And it is only possible by God's grace. The desire to seek good things, things of God, is not from you. It's from the Holy Spirit. It's from Christ. That is why we need him. That's why we sing this song, Lord, I need you every hour because I don't want to seek the holiness, but I know the Holy Spirit inside of me helps me to seek the holiness. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, here is the true religion. Notice that it takes all three of those principles to make it not just one or two. You cannot just take one and the two of, two of three to make it true religion. No. Nowadays, there are plenty of people who like one principle, especially the middle one, the compassion. Oh, we got to help. We got to do this for the needy. They feel that that's all the Christianity is all about. No, 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 my brothers and sisters. All that religion requires, no, it requires, first of all, self-control and also conforming to God's holiness. As a matter of fact, the compassion toward others must be a result of your confirmation, your conforming to God as you are becoming more like Christ. The self-control and compassion follows naturally. As you submit yourself to Christ and seek him, well, he will change you to and help you to self-control. Not only that, he will also change your heart to be compassionate to other people. Those three things, these three things come together. You cannot separate, you cannot emphasize only one thing. Amen? We need to balance it. I know some Christians, oh, we need, to, we need to do something about it. First, conform yourself to the Word and to Christ. I remember for the last two years, 
when cultural shift, political shift was happening in this nation, in the world, many Christians were, we got to do something about this and that, all that. Crazy. Where are they now? And I remember I shared that with you that I was so convicted that we need to, this is a time for us to discern this as we conform to his word so that we will know with the self-control by the Holy Spirit, we will know what to do. Because without his spirit, we won't be able to do right things. Our effort will not be effective. So it comes together. We need all three. If there's anything this world needs, that is the true religion. Jesus Christ. Amen. And it is my prayer. As we study this book, we will be practical Christian. We will know what to do in our daily lives. And we will know what to say what to do in every situation as we are being led by the Spirit of God. And James will talk more about all different agendas so that we can be a practical Christian. Amen. And I'm excited to study continuously this book with you. But as we conclude, let us respond to what you just heard. Respond to the word of God. The Lord is speaking to your heart. Are you conforming yourself to the word? Are you living out your word? Do we lack compassion in our heart? Or do we lack self-control? All those habitual sins that you struggle every single day. Time for you to Ask the Lord to help you to get out. How do we receive the self-control? Through the Holy Spirit. As you give yourself to Christ, He will help you. You cannot get it on your own. You cannot develop it within you by yourself. You need Jesus. You ask Him. Start today, right now. Lord, help me to control myself. Lord, help me to love you more so that I can love others. Let's respond to the word and let's pray.